Good morning. Is this is this good? Am I am I good? Am I on? Do I need to get closer? See, I have little ears, so these things usually. Uh, let's see. see we can, can I bend this? You sure? I don't want to mess it up. Is that good? Did I even need to do that? I did, right? Okay, good. Hey, uh, it is good to be here this morning. Um, big shout out to Will and Rebecca. Uh, I enjoy coming and being part of this community and this family. So thank you for having me. Uh, yes, and on behalf of Renaissance, we say hello. Oftentimes when I hear people talk about... Yeah, see? Switch ears. Okay, there we go. That's, that was the problem. You don't have to have it that loud, Brian. That's it. Good. I'm going to talk. Yeah, there we go. I'm back in the... Whew. Yeah, I'm back now. Okay. Uh, oftentimes when we talk about Renaissance, you know, Jordan and I cringe. Not from uh, anything bad or negative. It's just amazing to know and see what God is actually doing. And listen, I, maybe you've encountered people, especially in the Christian faith, who, who kind of have this like pseudo humility, like, oh, it's, oh God, thank you, God. Listen, I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, uh, it is not us, and what God is doing in that community is amazing. We have some amazing people, and uh, I am honored and privileged to be a part of that. Uh, so I am glad to be here. Um, it's also good to be back in Brooklyn. I'm a Brooklyn native. Any Brooklyn natives? All right, we're kind of falling off. You know, there's not a lot of us left. You know, we go to other parts of the country, start telling people we're from Brooklyn. It's the capital of the United States, right? But, I mean, you know, you can argue that. But, but uh, I am happy to be back in Brooklyn as always. Uh, I don't get a chance to come to Brooklyn as much. Uh, doing a lot of work in the city and in Harlem. The other thing I love about Crossroads is just the community feel. And I think we've been able to do that at Renaissance as well. But it's so amazing. And listen, maybe there's some, uh, some of you who are just getting back into church and, and maybe you don't subscribe to the, 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 to the Christian community. But one practical plug I would, I would say for uh, the Christian community is it's so amazing to go all places in the country and be able to identify with people from completely different backgrounds, but you have the same story. Not that the story played out the same, but the same story in that you are away from God and now you're connected to God. And you can go anywhere in the country and find a brother or a sister that can identify with you. And sometimes when I'm uh, other places, I get excited about telling my side of the story and I watch a friend of mine or someone that I just meet get excited about telling their side of the story. And so this idea that you get adopted into a new family, as the scriptures talk about, yo, that's a real thing for me. And maybe some of you, uh, when you grew up or growing up or, or when you hear the word family, you don't have uh, the most positive thought process. Man, well, you get to come into the community of God and get to rebuild that and reshape 
what that looks like. And maybe some of you, like myself, I grew up with my dad and my mom, uh, being a, a black dude from Brooklyn, that was huge. A lot of my friends didn't have that. Uh, and so family means a lot to me. And so when you come to the family of God, knowing that you have brothers and sisters everywhere where you can go to Portugal and sleep on somebody's couch, just because you are connected through the family of God is amazing to me. And so that's my, my short plug for the, 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 the Christian community. But here's uh, a, a little downside that I found. Uh, to some degree, uh, I think where we error is we're not as authentic and real about our struggles and our woes. And uh, for me, growing up as a, as a, as a young man in Brooklyn, uh, it was kind of whack. It was almost borderline uh, girlish, if you will. No offense. When I have a wife and two daughters. But it was kind of like you, couldn't, you shouldn't talk about your weaknesses or your struggles. And uh, I was reading an article. It's interesting enough. Um, the millennial generation and the boomers, this transfer of money is about to happen. Are we familiar with this? You guys familiar with that? Like there's, there's literally gonna be the largest transfer of money between generations ever in the history of the world. Something like $30 trillion. I've never said trillion in a sentence before. Like $30 trillion is gonna transfer. Uh, and what, what's happening is a lot of corporations are realizing that the millennial generation desires authentic community. And so even the church, some of the st stats in the church, and I'm sure Will can attest to this, uh, some of the stats of the church are saying that many of the millennials are shying away from the institutional church uh, for many different reasons, but some of it that there's, there's no authenticity. Uh, corporate America has grabbed a hold of this. Uh, they have um, created this term called corporate social responsibility. Anybody heard of that before? I'm like, wow, this is a new thing. They're giving it terms and acronyms. That's so cool. Um, but this corporate social responsibility, there was an article in Forbes that talked about the four things that millennials are expecting, that corporations are spending millions of dollars. They're even going so far as to market their weaknesses. Heinz, is, Heinz did something where they apologize for one of their ingredients or something like that. They're being very socially conscious in their marketing. And so corporate America has made room for this new authentic community and have brought it to the rise. And I feel like the church, uh, we're kind of a little far behind still. And so I want to debunk that a little bit today. And I want to start with a very vulnerable and personal and real authentic story. Back in 2003, I graduated from college, and uh, I graduated in May, and by later that year, I met a young lady. And I thought this was gonna be like it, you know? I've had relationships in the past, some good, some not so good, some that didn't really matter, but this one right here, this to me was gonna be the relationship. Can, anybody can identify what I'm talking about, right? You think, like, that's the person, that's gonna be it. And I thought we were gonna be this magnificent power couple. I was like a budding uh, entrepreneur and a basketball player, and she was Miss New York, and she, uh, she now started her own performing arts program and not nonprofit. And man, I'm like, yo, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna have her on my side. Oh, yeah, this is gonna be good. We met through my god sister, and we began doing some work together. And initially, there was like this, this romantic hesitancy 
You, got, you guys know what I mean when I say that, right? Like, you're kind of intrigued with the person, but you know there's some, you probably should have a couple steps back. You should probably explore a little more, right? Anybody? Okay, maybe not. All right, maybe you guys just fell in love. I get it. But it, for me, it was kind of like I had to, I was intrigued, but I felt like there was some caution I was supposed to take. But I was in my 20s, and who... who you speed up when there's yellow lights, right? Why, do, why, would you, why would you slow down, right? So, I mean, I went for it, we went for it, and much of our relationship was built on faulty premises. Uh, the foundation just wasn't right, and uh, we were together for four years with a cracked foundation. And so, you can pray for me, but it was bad. A lot of scars, a lot of wounds, um, a lot of bad things happened in that. Uh, however, we got engaged, uh, in 2006, and again, through all the faultiness, you might ask, ask one, why? I'll tell you later why we got engaged, but I really thought that that was the right thing to do. We decide after a couple months, hey, this is not going to work. We're not going to live forever miserable. We figure out how to tell our parents. We tell them it's off. I'm single. And I remember the day that that happened, September 4th, 2008, and for me, uh, it's a very memorable day because, man, I was crying profusely. And you know the kind of cry that you start crying, but there's no sound coming out? Like, right? It was that type of cry, the deep, gut-wrenching cry. Now, you might say, oh, that's when you lost your love. No, I wasn't even crying for her. I was happy that was over, right? That's how bad the relationship was. But I was crying because there was a sense that God had been trying to get my attention, but I was too caught up in this relationship. I was too focused on her being the one. And, 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 and I lost sight of everything else, even my own family. There were times my family would say, hey, you, you don't even care about us anymore. And I, and I remember feeling that feeling. And so it was that that led to this gut-wrenching cry and profusely I cried I went out in my car at the time I was by a park and it was like maybe four o'clock in the morning and I am bawling and I'm on the side of the road and I am bawling and and here's what happens I open my eyes and I'm looking out of the windshield and I see like I feel like everything is going black and in a small whisper what I know now or can identify now is, is the voice of God. I felt like, I believe God whispered to me, protect the babies. And, and I know that doesn't mean a whole lot to you guys here, but for me at the time, I had just been thinking about Young Life. I had just, Young Life, we, it, we introduce adolescents to Christ and help them grow in their faith. So we, we really focus on a demographic, high school and middle school kids. And I had just been introduced to Young Life, but more importantly, I had just been growing in my relationship with God. I had just become to find out who God was and who he was to me. And I had made some decisions to try to follow him, but this relationship, I was still entangled in it lustfully and there were so many things that were going on but I remember through all the chaos the Lord whispered to me protect the babies and from that point forward I have not looked back and I it's been 12 years that I've been introducing adolescents to Christ and helping them grow in their faith but it was at that moment where I believe I learned a lesson that God is always speaking 
I truly believe without shadow of a doubt that without this relationship, I could have never made that conclusion that God is always speaking. Yes, God has spoken. Yes, God will speak, but God is always speaking. And that was a paradigm that I had to shift. That was a a new thinking that I had to make. And today, I want to say to us, God is always speaking. Speaking and listen, maybe you're here today, and again, you're you're just jumping back into church. You're just figuring out what this whole uh, Christian faith and, and following Jesus looks like. Jesus says something really encouraging in the Bible. He says, "He says, my sheep know my voice." Listen to this. It says, I am the good shepherd. And Jesus is using uh, the the shepherd and sheep analogy because in the first century, this would have been understood. I would imagine today he might use fantasy basketball or something. I don't know. (laughs) But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Just a little tangent. Uh, God is not trying to transform a person. He's trying to transform a people. God doesn't use just a you when he says, uh, be the salt and the light. Uh, He's not saying just you be the salt and the light. He's saying you all will be the salt and the light. That's really what he's saying. God is not interested in just one person being transformed. He wants a group of people that are transformed, that are listening to his voice. God is always speaking. Maybe today, as I got up here, you're like, okay, Aswan, he's from Brooklyn. The mic didn't work. He sounds cool. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lean in and listen to him. And, and, but maybe when I got to God is always speaking, you kind of have some apprehension. Because if you're like me, when I first uh, encountered this paradigm, this concept, I was a little skeptical myself. And, and, you know, I don't know who here may feel, uh, feel that way, but I, but I remember when there was a time when I didn't believe that that was true. I didn't believe that God was always speaking. And here's what I found, and as I look back in retrospect, I found uh, two things. One, I didn't really wrestle with could God speak? Is God capable of speaking? That's, that's not really what I wrestled with. You know what I wrestled with, especially as a black young man in America? I wrestled with, does God speak to me? And I found that it was my own insecurity that led to much of that apprehension. Uh, according to the National Association for Self-Esteem, um, self-esteem is typically high during childhood. And that makes sense, right? Because as children, you have an over-exaggerated positive view of yourself. Man, if we could just keep that view. If you guys saw Axel, Axel has no care in the world. He's almost two. September 4th, he'll be two. He started walking at eight months. And God bless us. Like, he just turned, he turned up. He, the world is now literally his playground. But Axel 
really believes that he's good and that he, whatever he puts on is nice, whatever food we give him tastes good. I mean, he has a very positive view of himself. And then the, the reports say that going into adolescence, it slowly decreases. Why? Does this make sense, right? This is, this to me is, is intuitive, right? You get into adolescence, middle school. God bless middle school students, man. It's so hard, right? Do y'all remember middle school times? I mean, girls are mean in middle school. I'm not the, t- I'm not the tallest guy in the world, so like, it was rough, man. Was... All right. <laughs> But the reports show that you slowly decrease in self-esteem getting into adolescence. Here's why. Because you get a more realistic view of yourself. And then you're comparing yourself to what society is saying is good or what you have or your academic acumen. And and you realize, hey, I don't measure up. And so self-esteem is at its lowest during adolescence. And then the, 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 the reports say, during adulthood, it starts to gradually increase. But check it, you don't really get there until like 60. <laughs> so, big shout out to our, our mature family in the room. But listen, that means many of us struggle with insecurity, according to these numbers and these, these reports. And, and I think it's insecurity that hinders us from believing God is always speaking. Second, I learned, for me, it was fear. And, and listen, I know there's parts of the Bible that says you should have, has anybody ever heard this? You should have a healthy fear of God. Show a hand. You, you've heard that. And I think that's true. That can be biblically supported. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, fear. Because the healthy fear of God is, the word could be reverence. But, but I'm talking, like, Fear. And see, it's a, it's a dance between reverence and fear. Look, I grew up with a mom, a Brooklyn mom at that, right? And so she didn't tolerate lying or like stealing. Like those were the things in my house that, listen, she would lay them hands on you for. <laughs> and and if, you, if you did, if that, if that was what happened, my, my mother did not play. She was the disciplinarian in my, in my household. And so there were things that I feared But there were times I wanted to honor my parents, right? So there is this thin line between fear and reverence. But this fear, I I think I can equate this fear to the fear of the unknown. And I think many times, whether we've been in church for years or we're just coming back to church, we associate God with the unknown. We actually think they're synonymous. Here's why. Hey, can we see him? We We don't see God. We don't know what God's going to say. Sometimes we don't. We struggle with what does God want from us? Why is all this happening? We ask all the wide questions. And and I think somewhere in the crevices of our hearts, the true reality is there's a fear of God. And even biblically, we see that there's some unhealthy fear of God. Uh, Think about it like this. Um, if If a pit bull was running wild in here, we would have some fear, right? But why would we have that fear? The fear, it would be a perceived fear because of the breed of the dog. But if the owner was in here and the dog was, and the pit bull was running to the dog, wouldn't it be, wouldn't you see a beautiful relationship even given the breed of the dog? A friend of mine uh, just put his dog to rest. 
His dog was 15, Nala. She was saved. I trust you. I believe, I believe she's in heaven. Nala was, she ate chicken. She prayed. Like, Nala was amazing. I'm so serious. She could jump a six-foot fence. But he just laid Nala to rest. And if you watch their relationship, you would never think that the breed of dog, that pit bull, would be a ferocious animal. And I think... To some degree, I'm sorry if that's distracting, uh, to some degree, we have this fear of God. And, and many times it's unhealthy. So what erases the insecurity and the fear? It is knowing how God speaks. Once we know how God speaks, we will see that God is always speaking. And I think the Bible teaches us uh, a couple ways. One, God speaks through creation. Say through creation. God speaks through the prophets. And we'll talk about the prophets a little bit. Say through the prophets. God speaks through Jesus and the Bible. Say Jesus and the Bible. And I think God speaks most powerfully through Jesus and the Bible. And lastly, God speaks through you and I. I want to talk about that this morning. God speaks through creation. Listen to this, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Has anybody ever seen a landscape that just blows your mind? Have you ever traveled? My family and I, we just came back from vacation. I was actually really rested uh, after vacation this time, thank God, because uh, I had some help. I brought some help with me so I didn't have to do all the babysitting. Um, but we went to Aruba and I was on the beach and I woke, I remember waking up one of the, one of the mornings and I stepped out and I'm like, yo, this is amazing. I mean, I'm looking at the color of the water, right? In Harlem, the water doesn't look that color. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, this is, I am awestruck. Has everybody ever used that word? Like, I was awestruck by this little island that was so magnificently beautiful. God is always speaking. Listen to what Paul says as he's writing to the Romans. He says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuses. What? God put the sun and the moon and the stars in such a way that you and I and everybody else for that matter, when you see it, you are without excuse. There has to be a creator. Even a segment of science called creationists are realizing now at the end of the day, somebody had to do something. The world can't look this magnificent and have this many intricacies if there wasn't a creator. God is always speaking, and he speaks through creation. And check it, don't forget, you and I are part of God's creation. Genesis 1, 26, 
Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And listen, some of us, those of us who are married, when you saw your spouse, doesn't it remind you that God speaks through creation? I don't know about you, but... I can, I can relate to Adam when he finally saw Eve and he was like, whoa, man. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I mean, you ever saw someone that was just like beautiful? God speaks through creation. It's a, it's a paradigm we must make. Second, God speaks through the prophets. Hebrews 1.1 says this, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And see, prophets were individuals who spoke to God, who spoke to people on behalf of God. That's it. And they were uniquely chosen and God chose who these people were going to be who spoke on his behalf. And, and, and here's, here's the question, who are the modern day prophets? Like, you can read about prophets in the first century and, and back in biblical times, but, but who today would you consider the prophets? Maybe some rappers? Maybe, maybe some, right? I mean, we, we joke, but they're, are, they're speaking on behalf of something and somebody, right? Is it, is it the church? Is it, is it pastors? I don't, I don't know. I mean, who are the modern-day prophets? But prophets spoke to people on behalf of God. And one of the many lessons I've learned is, is even though uh, the prophets spoke to the ancestors and, and are back in the day, at least they were kind of identified as the prophets. Um, when we read the prophets, we can glean from them today. We can learn from them today. Hosea was a prophet. He's what we call a minor prophet. But he was told to marry a woman that was going to continue to cheat on him. Why? Well, well, God was liking us to the woman that was going to cheat on him and himself to Hosea. And what was God trying to teach us through the prophet? More about his character and nature. And so God is always speaking and the prophets were speaking to communicate the character and nature of God. So people would know who God truly is. And God speaks most powerfully third through Jesus and the Bible. Listen to this, also in Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. See, Jesus' death on the cross is God screaming to the world, I love you. God speaks most powerfully through the through Jesus, and, and, and it doesn't stop at the cross. It's one of the most uh, endearing proposals the world will ever know. The death of Jesus hanging on a cross, bearing the sin of the world. There's a scripture that says, he who knew no sin became sin. 
The innocent person became guilty so that you and I could be in right relationship with God. God did that for you and I. That's amazing. And that was God speaking to you, telling you and I how much he desires to be in relationship with us. God is always speaking. The cross doesn't stop speaking because it happened thousands of years ago. It's still speaking to us today. And it's God saying, I love you. And I invite you into relationship with me. And here's how Jesus and the Bible are connected. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him. Look at that pronoun. He was with God in the beginning through him. All things were made without him. Nothing was made that has been made. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh And in other words, moved into the neighborhood. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. There is a direct correlation between God and his word because his word became manifest to us in person through the person of Jesus Christ. God most powerfully speaks through Jesus and the Bible. And look, maybe some of us are sitting here today and we, we have issues with the Bible. I won't ask you to raise hands. That's Will's problem. <laughs> but maybe some of, us are, some of us wrestle with that. And here's the reality. Jesus quoted scripture. So I believe we should. I believe the Bible has the type of authority to, to rule my life because Jesus, my Savior, actually chose it to use to help explain what he needed to explain. Listen to this in, in Luke 24 when <clears throat> after Jesus is resurrected, he's walking with a group of, uh, a couple people who, who have not realized or, or don't know that it's him and they're telling Jesus all this stuff like, can you believe that, that, he, that the Jesus of Nazareth has died and we don't know where his body is? And Jesus is like, oh, oh yeah, mm-hmm, keep talking, right? And then Jesus says this in verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe. And I don't think that foolish was an indictment. I think that foolish was just an ignorance. How much you don't see, don't know. How foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets. Remember, we talked about the prophets are the way God is speaking. All that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures that pointed to him. Jesus said, yo, this whole thing, these whole six, all these 66 books, they all about me. It's all about God's rescue mission for a broken people. It all points to me. So if Jesus had that much trust in the scriptures, man, we should. And so I don't know where you are in that, but that would be my argument. And lastly, God speaks through us. And this excites me. Crossroads, you are not here just to be a church to sit and listen to good preaching or to do school drives. You are here to communicate to the rest of Brooklyn that God is real. The people of Israel were chosen. Look, think about it like this. Why Jews? 
Why the people of Israel? Why were they chosen? They didn't earn it. They don't deserve it. God made sure of that. He often referred to them as stiff-necked people. But he stayed committed to them. You know why? Because he wanted to show the rest of the people, nations, that I am a faithful God. And he wanted the people who received his grace and his goodness and his love to then turn around, be so filled with it that they would go out and share it with other people. See, God speaks most powerfully through Jesus and the Bible, and God wants to speak most powerfully through you and I. And so when Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior and the the Lord of your life, when the Bible becomes something in your tool belt, then you are equipped now to go and tell people that God is good. I love how David says it in the Psalms. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you ever tasted God's grace? Have you ever felt it so much? Again, even if you're, you're coming back to church for the first time or you've been in church forever, I, I, I would imagine there's a time in your life where God showed up and you were like, man, am I thankful. Right? Man, God wants to speak to you and I. Here's something really cool. We are the only part of God's creation that bears his image. The only ones, the only ones he decided to say, let us make man the Godhead when when God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were chilling in eternity. They say, yo, you know what? Let's make people and let's stamp our image on their hearts. So you know what I like to say? Somewhere in our souls, just like on our T-shirts, if you look, uh, there's a tag that says made in China or Made in the USA or made in Italy. If it's made in Italy, you got some money. But, <laughs> but there's a tag that says made in somewhere, right? I would imagine somewhere on my soul, Will, there's a tag that says made in eternity. Made for God. And God stamped that somewhere on our souls so that we would bear his image, so that we would be in right relationship with him. And he paid the price so that we could actually do that. And then he says, I want you to go, not just one of you. I want the whole Crossroads Church to go stand in front of Telecommunications High School and tell the rest of Brooklyn that I'm good. God is always speaking. I want to leave you with two questions. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? And maybe moreover, what does God want to say through you? Let me pray. Daddy, thank you for you always speaking. Thank you that your sheep know your voice. God, thank you that you can speak Through all things, God, give us the courage and boldness to say what you want us to say and to be a people that communicate what you want to communicate to the rest of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, God.